0: this morning we are beginning a new series called The Blessed Life. But first of all, I want to say Happy New Year to my family. 2016 is here. Let's thank the Lord for that, huh? The great thing about walking with Jesus is sometimes the most painful years are the most rich years, right? They make the most difference in your life, so... Whether you're in a good place or kind of a tough place, uh, Jesus is there with you and He's going to teach you some new things. Well, I uh, wanted to first of all, thank you guys. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. You're incredible with your generosity. We as elders often talk about that, how generous Springbrook is. Look. That's some of the things you've done here. Of course, you supported our general fund with our staff and our mortgage and all the ministries there. Uh, Also, our Disciple Driven Fund. Thank you for your sacrificial giving there. uh, It's just amazing to see what God has done through this initiative with, again, creating Kids City and and then the idea, of, of course, going down to Hope House and ministering to those guys there in Lawndale. and. And then planning hundreds of churches over in India. Right now, men are being trained to be pastors. This week, because of your generosity. And we have the helping hand. You gave $12,000 to our benevolence fund last year in order to help others. And I encourage you, if you are in financial need, please let your small group leader know or let me know or pastor rich or one of the elders uh, because we would love to minister to you in that way and uh, and, and if you know of somebody <laughs> who's in need who's too shy to, to step up you know just uh, let us know because we really want to be able to help people when they've lost their job when We have financial struggles. We also give out counseling grants uh, to people who don't have the money for counseling. So any of those things we would love to to bless you with. Next item is our compassion projects. Uh, Considering all these different things that we did uh, during November and December, we took kind of like the average cost of each gift. So an angel tree, we gave 75 angels gifts. Angels were those, of course, who have a parent that's incarcerated. So uh, I made a lot of children happy. Shoe boxes, 95 shoe boxes that you guys filled and sent all over the world. I talked to Becky Atkinson, and she said that some had shown up in Kenya and Madagascar. And you can just imagine. You, you got to go online and see the videos of these kids open these boxes because it is just so satisfying. So we'll be able to move off of that. Then our Thanksgiving baskets—we uh, got twenty-four together. Fifteen hundred dollars was donated, and we gave like twenty to uh, parents uh, at Lincoln Hills Elementary School uh, who needed something for Thanksgiving. And we gave four here to our family. Coats and clothing—we had that particular drive. Five hundred dollars. We just had to rough that one out. But uh, I want to thank Shannon Marku and our Compassion team. Why don't you stand up if you're on our Compassion team. Anybody here? Oh, there she is, Cheryl. Yeah. Well, these guys meet every month in helping us to show compassion to our family and, and to our community. The next item is the year-end offering. Uh, we started to collect that and... Early December, and again, it's three projects that go to three, uh, three projects that about $5,000, a $15,000 offering. So, we want to disciple our kids. You can see them here singing, having a great time, and also a story time in the same room, our front theater. Uh, and they need a new projector and a new computer. So, we're going to provide that for them for this offering. Then, we want to disciple our family. And we have our conference room. That room is where most of our new people come. That's the first meeting room they come to, whether it be for newcomers orientation or discipleship 101, which is offered every Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can come if you want to know more about what it means to walk with Christ. Then also our membership gathering. So we wanted to make this a little more inviting, a little more warm. So 5000 will go towards that. And then the last area he is, disciple in our community. Pastor Rich has done such an excellent job of being a chaplain over the last year or so. And he, he really ministers to the, the police uh, who make in the hills and Huntley and Algonquin. And uh, he rides with them. And, and they, they've got it, lives like us, right? You know, there's a lot of challenges in being in that line of work. And he's been able to love them. So what we see here is uh, Tim Perry. Oh, I'm sorry. Tim Perry. And uh, then another chaplain. Tim is the founder of Nationwide Chaplaincy Services. And they have a lot going right in our area. So that money is going to go to provide winter gear as well as uh, training. So that's an exciting one. So that's our year-end offering. So far, we've seen uh, $8,500 come in. So we're more than halfway to our $15,000 goal. (laughs) That's great. Uh, So giving goes for January 31st, and uh, as the Lord leads you, we'd love to exceed uh, that amount. Well, we are starting a series on the blessed life. How many think that they're blessed by God? Okay. Who wants more blessings from God? Yeah. Come on now. get, Get your hand up there. Yeah, God wants to give you it. Right? you got to be open to it. Yes, Lord, keep on blessing me. The more blessings, the better me. Cover me. Lay me out. I want blessings, blessings. that sounds selfish? Well, not really. No, because as we get into this, you'll understand how it works uh, through generosity. Look at the next slide, and we'll see Acts twenty thirty five. 35. Jesus Christ said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. you believe that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. For example, this Christmas, when you're opening gifts, were you more more satisfied with the gifts that you received, or were you more satisfied seeing the expression on the face of a person that you had spent a lot of time thinking about what do they really like, and... How can I keep it a secret? And, and they just burst with joy when they see that. But what's more satisfying, right? It's when you give to somebody. That is when you become excited. But we've got this idea in our minds that if we're going to be blessed, we've got to go get the blessing. We've got to manage our blessings. And that's not the way it works at all. Look at this particular statement. Next slide. If you want to be more blessed, you'll be more blessed when you become more generous. Isn't that interesting? If you want to be more blessed, and there's nothing wrong with that, God says when you start to have a generous heart, you want to give to other people and help other people. But well, when you start blessing other people, I'm going to bless you on top of it. Isn't that great? What a wonderful, wonderful promise that God just wants to continue to bless us as we bless other people. Let's look at the Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. What does that mean? The more generous you are, more things will be coming back. To you. And I just want to clarify here, we're not talking about health and wealth <laughs> theology, where, you know, if you give to God and be generous, you're going to be really healthy, and you're going to, of course, be very wealthy I mean, oh, it's just so sad that people are teaching that because it's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that if you step out and bless others, God is going to bless you back. But you don't know how the blessing is going to come back at you. Like you might get a financial gift, you might help somebody out, the difficult problem that they're going through, and He can pour relational blessings into your life. The New Year's is a great time to think about all the wonderful relationships you have. All the people that truly love you and care about you. Those are the best blessings, I think. And then you have, of course, uh, sometimes a financial blessing. God does that. Uh, Sometimes it's an emotional blessing or a spiritual blessing. God has all kinds of ways uh, to brighten up your life. One man gets freely again gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. So this is a guy with a scarcity mentality saying, I only have so much, so I've got to step back here and, and protect it and manage it in order that I might be taken care of. See, this person's not trusting in God. Their hope is not in God in regards to their future. That's where you've got to put your hope. And when you do that, you open up your arms. And you say, hey, I want to bless others because God has blessed me. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know why Coca-Cola comes to my mind when I think of that, but <laughs> You'll be refreshed. We all need be, we all need to be refreshed, don't we? There, there, there are so many times that uh, I've been down and I'm just uh, frustrated with things and somebody gives me a call or I get together with somebody and what they do as a Christ follower is they pour grace into my life and I'm refreshed. Ever had that experience before? All of us have, right? Because that's what the body of Christ is about. This is all about relationships centered around Jesus and we're refreshing each other. Just the worship this morning that was refreshing, right? Hopefully the Holy Spirit touched your life as you lifted up your voices uh, to God. So when we refresh other people, what does it say? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You see, that's the great thing about God. God's math doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, I give to God and He gives much more back. To me, right? You cannot outgive God. Isn't that truth? Of course it is. Yeah. That's the beauty about it. I mean, he doesn't have to do anything for us. He's the Lord. He's the creator. We are to submit to him. And we're supposed to do these things and we do them through his power. But he doesn't have to bless us back. But that's the thing about our God is that he's a generous God. He is so generous. He says, "Hey, you ask for wisdom, I'll just give it to you. I'll give this to you. I'll give this to you." And that's what, again, is one of the distinguishing things about Christianity. No other religion has a God like ours, because our God is the only God, right? A generous God who just wants to give and give and yeah, give and give and give. We need to remember that. We need to exemplify that in our lives. Let's go to the next slide. Exodus twenty one through 3. Now the problem is why, why do we struggle with generosity? Why do we struggle with giving things away? Well, we struggle because we're sinful, because we're selfish, right? Yeah, we want to kind of keep things to ourselves and take care of ourselves and put hope in those things that uh, we have. But you've got to, Review the first command of the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image Or any likenesses of anything that's in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. That's the first command. That command sums all the other commands, sums up all the other
1: commandments.
0: We need to always look to God for our satisfaction. That's what it means to worship. To worship something means to invest in it. It means to give your time to it and your financial resources and your energy to it because you're looking for satisfaction. And the only true source of satisfaction is your relationship with God. Now, carved image. Again, back in that day, the Israelites were surrounded by countries. In fact, really the whole world Who were polytheists? They believed in multiple gods. The Israelites were the only one on the earth who believed in one God, and of course, of course, that's because it's the only God, right? God was in the world. These other people were worshiping different gods—these man-made idols, wooden shrines, whatever the case might be—and again, that's why the Israelites always got so sucked into it. I've always kind of wondered about that. I say, why would they go and worship those idols? That sounds like a silly thing to do. But What they were doing is they were pursuing their own lusts. They wanted to get what they wanted. And they bought into the lie that if they worshiped this little god, and there are different gods, of course, for whatever you needed, if they really did that, they could have their desires fulfilled. That's what they thought. That's what they believed. But it was wrong. It was empty. Oh, it's just a bunch of silver and wood and worth nothing. And sometimes we can kind of look at the Israelites and say, how could they do that? As you know, friends, uh, we have images of the heart, or excuse me, idols of the heart. Those things in our lives that uh, we put before God. Let's look at the definition of idol worship. What we give our thoughts, energy, time, and money to in order to find the satisfaction we can only find in God. That's what an idol is. So when you think about your life, we all have idols, Idols of the heart. We have multiple idols that we turn to. We usually have our favorite idols because God's not showing up. Things aren't happening or He's not doing what we want to do. So we pursue something else to find that satisfaction our thoughts and our time and our energy and our money goes in that direction instead of going in this direction. The only place we'll really find satisfaction Let's watch this video together to give you a better idea.
1: I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. Well, you would think they were crazy if you didn't understand their culture and their religion. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They They made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. You don't really relate, do you? Let's try it again. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols. And they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. Idol worship. It's not just about golden calves anymore.
0: That's one of my favorite videos that I show whenever I'm doing a series on generosity. Because it so clearly points out that, for example, sports can be an idol. Watching sports, playing sports, whatever the case might be. There's a lot of other things as well. But this is a really... A great example in the sense, like if somebody is just really (laughs) a Chicago Bear fan. First of all, I'm sorry for this past season. (laughs) But you're going to be refreshed this year, I'm sure. The point being is that, uh, yeah, I mean, you can go to the games and you can get all uh, types of uh, clothing items. And you can spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of thoughts and a lot of energy watching the Chicago Bears, watching the NFL, playing fantasy football. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with watching football. There's nothing wrong with sports. But you always have to ask yourself the question, when it comes to what I'm looking for life, when I'm looking at life for satisfaction, is it higher than where I should be looking for satisfaction? in my relationship with Jesus Christ? That's really the question. We, we do all kinds of fun things that God has given us to do, but sometimes because we're sinful and we're weak, what happens is, is that we take one item or two or three and put those on top and try to find the satisfaction that only God can give. Let's look at some idols of the heart. Idols of the heart. Well, football... Certainly, we talked about uh, smartphones. Now, I did get a new smartphone, uh, a Droid Turbo, <laughs> and I paid less than I did before. So I don't—I know they're trying to get me somehow, but—and <laughs> I'm really trying not to worship it. Okay, uh, cars. <laughs> I had an uncle, and he got a new car every year. Every year, he got a new car, and we were down there one time, and. I think my brother Scott leaned up against the car, and he went ballistic because he was touching the car. But what did he worship? We didn't spend a lot of time with him, but uh, unfortunately, homes. I mean, for the women, you know, in terms of creating your place and decorating it and beautifying it, yards. And go either way with men and women, health. That's a really important one, right? We want to sustain our health. We want God to keep us healthy, and we want to be responsible. but sometimes again, it can become an idol. It's like every i mean that that that's your satisfaction. You have confidence in your health and you enjoy taking care of your health and so again, you give more time and money now we're not talking about you know, apples to apples in a sense because obviously you can't spend forty hours. Uh, worshiping God every week. Uh, I mean, you can as you live your life out, but at the same time, uh, you're not going to be able to give as much time to God as you would to your job or maybe some other responsibilities. But you know in your heart if you're truly pursuing God in your daily life, whether you're really inviting Him into your life, when you're really just searching, seeking after Him, instead of trying to find satisfaction in one of these idols. All right, the next one, hobbies. Well, you can spend a lot of money on hobbies, can't you? Oh, my, oh, my. I certainly can do that. A comfort food. That's one of my idols. Pray for me. (laughs) Children. Uh, Yeah, children become an idol. Well, what are you talking about? Children are children. We need to take care of them. Well, yeah, you do. But at the same time, again, you have to look at it and see, wait, is our is our family off balance? Are the children the center of everything that we do? That's not healthy for them or for you. You've got to watch that closely. Uh, what's your status at work or shopping? Uh, be more women. Uh, next slide, reputation. Are you popular? Are you accepted? That type of thing? Entertainment. Here's a big one that we all probably struggle with to some degree in terms of just, I mean, we're an entertainment culture where we have all these platforms for entertainment. And when you think back, it really blows your mind that you can just go on your phone and watch any movie that's ever been made. <laughs> and, and that's really tempting, isn't it? That's really tempting. Whatever your favorite thing to do on your iPhone or your iPad, uh, that can become more important because you're looking for satisfaction there, how about your spouse? Are you worshiping your spouse? Most people don't struggle with this, <laughs> but if you are you're you're you just gone a little too far, bring it back a little bit, but keep you know loving your spouse as you should right and clothing, oh my, that's a big one, right yeah. let's go to the next slide. definition vital worship again. Now, Friends, the reason why it's so important that we think about this is because it's so subtle. I mean, we can be thinking we're cruising along and everything's cool, and we're giving our time to God, money to God, whatever, and, and, you know, He's the main thing when really He isn't. In fact, every one of us struggles every day to put our focus on God and what He desires us, how He wants to satisfy us. We struggle with it every day until you die. You will struggle with this internal battle. I'm going to find my satisfaction in my relationship with God, or am I going to do the quick thing? It's a lot faster to do the quick thing. It's a lot faster to eat, or it's a lot faster to a hobby or watch sports, those type of things. But again, if you're going to get your satisfaction from God, that takes a commitment. That takes time. That takes energy to really let Him know uh, that He is number one in your life. Let's go to the next slide. Matthew 22:37, And He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. So that is where we worship. We're to love God with everything that we have. And again, that becomes challenging because it doesn't come naturally to us. Look at the next verse. We're going to talk about the treasure principle. What is treasure? Well, treasure is your money and your time your money and your time. What happens is where your heart goes in terms of where your heart is seeking after satisfaction, what happens is your treasure follows that as we've talked about here. So if your heart is in one area, time and money, thoughts and energy will flow that way instead of flowing to God. So let's understand the treasure first. You go on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The principle we just talked about. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Because if you're looking for satisfaction here, you're going to spend your time and your money here, and your heart, well, e- either way, really. I mean, because if you start, let's say, start giving, be more generous uh, with God, that's going to draw you closer to God if you have the right attitude and spirit. So it works both ways in terms of the treasure following the heart or the heart following uh, the treasure. Go to the next slide this is Webster's definition. Treasure is wealth that is stored up or hoarded or is a store of money in reserve. It's something of great value or worth. The next verse, Psalms 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell there in. Look at the clothing you have on you right now. Whose is that? It's God's, isn't it? I mean, he owns everything. He owns you. Everything you have is God. Think about your car out in the parking lot. That's God's car. Maybe you think God should upgrade, but... (laughs) Or you go home. Whose house is that? It's not the bank's. It's God's house. He entrusted it to you in order that you might manage it. God owns everything. And friends, this is where pride can just seep into our hearts and souls because, you know, we, we do things in life. We... Get an education. Uh, we start a business or work in our area of expertise and we're promoted and you know we have enough money and, and therefore we can think, hey, it's all about me. I'm the one who's making this all happen. No, it's not about you. Well, hey, I've got a brilliant mind. Well, who, who then? Where did you get that brilliant mind from? God gave you that brilliant mind, right? Yeah, but listen, I, I, have, I have put so much time and effort into what I've done. you got to give me credit for that. Well, no, because God gave you the energy and the motivation to do whatever. Now, you might use it in the wrong way, but. That's the way He created you. I said, well, there must be something. No. Everything is God's. And our responsibility is to manage it. Just while we're here on earth. My wife and I were going through that empty nest stage. and uh, yeah, It's kind of strange, you know. It's kinda, how you view life and priorities and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you pray for me. <laughs> it's hard to sort out sometimes. Friends, when we talk about the whole area of what we have, I mean, our children do not belong to us, right? The intention was not for our children to stay with us until our old age. Now, some might be, I'm praying for you. But... <laughs> Yeah, but the the whole point was that they uh, would be united with someone else. Yeah, that's that's the whole point is that they would leave. And some people really like that. Oh, they're leaving. (laughs) All right. But it's the same way with everything else we have. You know, every moment is a gift from God. Every breath is a gift from God. Every breath was a gift. And God could take my breath away right here if He wanted to. This is the most important thing that disciples have to understand. Because if you're viewing your stuff as yours, you're going to be stingy toward others and stingy toward God. But if you start to understand, as you start to process through the fact that everything I have, even the breath of my life is from God, you're going to be a little more generous, aren't you, right? Because God only gave you these resources for a while while we're here on earth, which isn't very long, and He wants you to use them in the right way in supporting your family and generous toward others, generous toward the kingdom. But that's, that's the one important thing. You've got to make that shift from thinking these are my resources and I earned them. And <laughs> Any good thing you have, and wonderful relationship you have, is a gift from God. We just need to continue to remember that, continue to thank Him for all the ways that He has blessed us. So God owns everything and I am His money manager. That's the key idea here, right? God owns everything, and I'm just managing His money. Next, the treasure principle. First, you have to understand the treasure. Then you need to invest your treasure. Let's look at the next verse, Matthew six nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So we're talking about where are we going to invest our treasure Are we going to invest it here on this earth? We give all our money and time to all these different idols. Are we going to invest it with God? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So your money and your time is going toward things that will not last for an eternity, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So back in that day, they didn't have banks. Uh, their wealth was in their clothing, and peasants only really had one set of clothing, in coinage, in material goods, in grain uh, or other crops, and uh, in um, uh, clothing. Well, I said that before. But those were where they held their wealth. Right? So what is it saying here, where moth, Well, we all know what moths are what they do, right? Because, you see, people who are very wealthy, uh, they wore their wealth on their clothing. They had golden threads throughout their clothes, and they would wear precious uh, diamonds and jewels. And that's what it was. But, hey, you know, especially in that culture, you were going to have your clothes destroyed eventually. And rust destroyed. That's an interesting word, rust. What it means is to eat. A oh, strange word to translate that way. But to eat and destroy. So that's talking about their grain where the insects would get in and the worms and the rats or whatever else, right? Again, it's all temporary. Whatever they're putting their hope in. And where they's breaking and steal. So what they did is they, they would, again, as you know, bury their treasure because there was nowhere else to put it. Or else they would go into their house and And they had mud walls so they would, you know, kind of carve out a place and they'd put their valuables in there and then they'd back it back up. But then thieves would break in and steal that. In fact, that's what's referred to in this particular passage. So why in the world would you want to have your treasures here on earth where everything is so uncertain? You think about the last, I don't know, Eight years, 2007, 2008, that changed all of our lives, right? That changed our children's lives. The most severe financial crisis since the Great Depression. And a lot of us learned a lot of new lessons, right? About what you could really trust in. It's all God's money. There's no doubt about that. Let's turn to uh, uh, Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's how it struck me. <laughs> right? You cannot serve both God and what? Money. And that's that's where the treasure is. They focus on financial resources. This is Jesus Christ talking here. And he's talking pretty strongly, isn't it? I mean, look at that. If if you're not worshiping Christ, if you're not having him as your master, no one can serve to a master, for he will hate God and love his idols, or he will be devoted to his idols and despise God. God is very serious about this. This is not something just, oh yeah, I'll try to watch no no. This is something you need to sit down and think about. And let the Spirit clarify which way you're going. What are you really putting your hope in? Let's look at first Timothy six seventeen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, and of course we're all rich if you look at the world. Charge them not to be prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. So don't put your hope in money and the things that it can buy, but put your hope in God. And what will happen? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my family here, myself. I pray that today, take a few minutes to meditate upon these passages. Think about: uh, Am I worshiping idols? What are the idols that I do worship? And it's it's tough to do that, Lord, because we know if we go deep enough, we're going to find a lot of stuff we're going to see where we're really off. And we're putting our money and our time into things that uh, are not eternal. We're putting more energy and time and thoughts and money into things and instead of worshiping you. Lord, I ask that you would have the Holy Spirit speak to each of us and identify one or more of those idols and only through Your power and Your grace may we overcome it. In Christ's name.